As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome everybody to your show. My name's Eric Alvarez and I am here this week with a special, special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Are you excited? Hey, hey, super excited. So this is Zeta Zang. Uh, I went by Zeta in WWE. And yeah, I've known Eric for a while. Yes. <laughs> like, WWE. So. Yeah, for sure. We Hi. met. <laughs> yeah, we were just saying right when we started this that we haven't, you know, I haven't seen you. I mean, we're kind of seeing each other through Zoom. Uh, but yeah, we haven't seen each other since our WWE days. Um, so I have Zeta here with me this week, and I'm going to explain what the show is to anybody that may not know what the show is about. So this show, it's called Your Show, because I like to bring on a different guest each week to explain or to share their story of how they achieved goals, uh, maybe chased down a dream, overcame adversity, kind of dealt with any struggles, just any experience that they want to share. Uh, they're welcome, you know, you're welcome to come on this show and, and just kind of share it with everybody because the idea is that maybe there's something in somebody's story that you uh, can grab and, and apply to your situation. Or maybe you want to do the things that Zeta has done and you want to know, okay, well, what what is one way to go about it? Because there's not only the way, there's several ways to go about it. So uh, again, just... Come on the show, share your stories. And this week, again, we have Zeta here with us. And uh, Zeta, uh, again, I met you back when I worked with WWE and uh, we got to know each other there. And that's where I found out that you are not just a wrestler, you kind of do like everything. And we we're kind of going over the list right now. It was like uh, singer, dancer, uh, model, uh, MMA fighter, wrestler. It was just like all these different things. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like. <laughs> for hours so um just to get started we need to find a starting point here so just to get started now you do all these things and all these things uh seem like they take a lot of uh, charisma or a lot of like an outgoing personality so growing up were you outgoing i mean were you like the life of the party what was that like Definitely not. I was the total opposite. I actually had social anxiety, uh, was really, really shy. Um, I had stage fright. I remember, you know how back in the day when you were in school, you have to give like a book report and you gotta go up in front of the class and give a book report. I remember I almost blacked out because 
I was so nervous and scared that the anxiety just made me almost black out. It, it would start, it would start getting blurry. You know, I had, I, that happened a few times. Um, I couldn't look people in the eyes. I couldn't talk to people. Uh, they actually thought I had like mental issues. Oh, wow. So I sent to, um, to get tested on my brain just because of the way I was acting. I was just too scared to even interact with anyone. So they thought I had like autism or something. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, growing up like that, I mean, growing up really shy and kind of, were you understanding what was going on around you? And were you kind of saying like, guys, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just like, I'm just shy. Or what was the situation? I mean, did you, were you aware that, hey, they're testing for to see if something's wrong with me? Uh, I was. Um, I was so shy and had really low self-esteem that I kind of just believed whatever people told me. So when the teachers asked my parents to take me to go get tested and they were saying, like, I remember them saying at this point, I remember being nine. I was nine years old. I was eight or nine years old. I was like, no, I was nine years old. It was fourth grade. So I remember they, I got put back a grade, actually. I was set back a whole grade. Um, They're like, she's too shy. We have to hold her back. <laughs> like, what, I mean, what was it like? Well, I went, uh, so I went to a public school, but then by the time I was nine, my parents started getting pretty decent at their business and they saved up all their money for me to try and go to a private school. But they thought I was too like mentally challenged to be able to go to a private school because it was like a, it's one of those like really good schools that preps you for high school, which then preps you for college. The same school is a college prep school. Mm -hmm. so. Of course, the, the middle school version was very elite also. Um, so because of that, I got set back a grade. I had to repeat fourth grade. Oh, wow. <laughs> which sucked. Um, but the shyness, uh, it was not being able to talk to people. And I really, even though I was born in the U.S., I didn't really learn English until I was like six. Like, wow. and when I mean learning English, mm -hmm. I didn't, I knew what people were saying, but I couldn't speak because I didn't know how to say it. And plus the shyness and I couldn't read. The only thing I was like, the only thing I was able to do was spell and understand what was going on. Wow. But that was much later, you know? And so by the time I was nine, I definitely understood, but I still had issues with everything else. Um, yeah. Now, do you but think, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but do you think the language, uh, if there's a language barrier, do you think that has an effect on your kind of like confidence or your self-esteem or your, the shyness? Definitely. Because right? I, I, yeah, I couldn't speak to people. So no one wanted to be friends with me and I got bullied all growing up. So that kind of added to my low self-esteem. And so when the teacher said that I was like, had probably had to go get my I mean they told me I had to go get my brain checked and I was thinking okay I'm probably stupid too because mm -hmm. my grades ever good yeah. I was not good in school and I know that's because I'm set back from having a language barrier and I couldn't keep up with what was going on in class so that made me like really 
really believe that I was dumb. Just kind of like putting pressure on you. And and just to clarify, you are from here, but your parents are not from the U.S., correct? Yes. Okay. I was born and raised in Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, but my dad is from Shanghai, and Shanghai, China, and my mom is from Taiwan. Okay. And did they... Um, I, I, I don't know. I've never met your parents, uh, but do they know English? Do they speak English? They do. They do. Okay. Uh, just because, like, for instance, like I grew up in a border town uh, here in Texas, and it's uh, it's pretty much like primary language here is Spanish. And when my parents were growing up, they were all Spanish. Like they, that's what they spoke. I mean, they knew English, but it was just all speaking Spanish. But when they had their kids, me and my two older brothers. They were like, hey, we need to teach these guys English because if like if they don't know English, they're going to struggle in school. Like English was an important, important thing. And if they don't if they struggle in school, they're not going to fit in. If they don't fit in, they're not going to make friends. And it was just kind of like they made it a point to when they spoke to us, they spoke in English. But when they talked amongst themselves, they were Spanish. You know what I mean? Like they made sure to do that because they were like, it, it's best that they know both or they, they know English. English was the important one, uh, at least back in the day. And so uh, we would go to school and we uh, anytime that somebody spoke Spanish to me, I'm, I struggle with Spanish. So anytime somebody spoke Spanish to me, my confidence level would just drop. Like I'm a, I think I, I, I like to think I'm a smart guy. I'm funny, blah, blah, whatever. But as soon as I had to speak Spanish, my confidence level just dropped. I mean, so that was something that maybe you were going through. It's what it sounds like. Now, were they did they have that focus of like, we need to teach her English. like your parents were they the ones kind of thinking like man maybe there's something wrong with her or, or who was the one saying that uh the teachers the teachers, the teachers said that I, there was something wrong with me they told them that i daydreamed too much um but i was just i just didn't want to be there i remember being in school and like not happy and i would sleep in school because mm. it was my way of escaping and not having to actually be there but i always my parents always got notes complaining about me sleeping in school complaining about me daydreaming not paying attention but it's because i couldn't understand i didn't want to pay attention and i got bullied there so being in school was not a fun thing for me yeah. like my life and that's also um, like the uh i think it's also has to do with the uh education system in the u.s too where they kind of they to me it's like they don't try to find something that works for the student they're just like it's either you know this is what we got to teach or this is what we got to do and this is how we got to go about it it's like hold on like each student is different individually we need to find out what interests that student or what you know how that student learns because everyone's a different learner right there's different types of learning um, so you're uh, going through this. It's a tough time in school. Now, well, before we started recording this, you said you got into art, uh, with painting, drawing. Um, is that kind of something you discovered uh, when you were a kid or was that a little bit older? Uh, I was a kid. I was really, really small. I was only two years old. Okay. And art, like, like I said, I, I sucked at everything, like everything, every class I sucked at. But art was the only thing that I felt that it was an actual talent, like a gift that where I didn't really, it was the only thing where I felt like I didn't have to try very hard and do decent at. So um, I fell in love with art when I saw my dad draw. He used to, you know, come home and just doodle and draw. And I remember the first thing I ever drew was a horse because my dad drew a horse. And so I was really like, I was very close with my dad, uh, more than 
I mean, I, I was close to my mom, but my dad actually took care of me the most as a baby. Mm. Um, so I saw him draw and I drew a horse and I remember drawing this crappy horse that looked like a dinosaur <laughs> with ears. And I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I was two years old at this time. Wow. I remember thinking, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I just knew art was the thing. And then all throughout school and my whole life, basically, um, I won a lot of art competitions and I was known for my art. So anyone in school that knew me, like, they don't know anything about me. They just know that I'm shy and quiet, but the only thing they would know me by is my art. Yeah. So I ended up going to art school later and all that. Because what and I did you ever feel like art was like an escape from everything else? Like, so you said you would sleep in school because that was like an escape from that. Did you feel like art was like a comfort kind of like zone where like, hey, you know what? I'm good at it. And it also kind of takes me away from this place because sometimes people like kids, uh, you know, kids that go through bullying or that go through not fitting in or they're shy or anything like that. They turn to something, right? There's something there that they can find. Uh, hopefully. And would you say art was kind of that uh, kind of getaway as well? Yeah, I remember like hating my life back then. Um, and art was the only thing that I remember being happy about. Anything else was, it was not very happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember uh, I found a diary when I was I wrote this entry in when I was like six. It was weird. Like, like I said, I could write. Um, I couldn't really read, <laughs> but I could write uh, and I could understand. But I remember writing in this diary and I wrote, I hate my life. I wish I had someone else's life. And this was six years old? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. And I remember writing like, uh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> I was like suicidal. Six-year-old, yeah. <laughs> like six years old, yeah. And uh, I wish I had blonde hair and blue eyes. Because oh. where I grew up, uh, I was... So the reason why, you know, with your parents, your parents, like everyone around them spoke Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. My, was the opposite for me. I grew up in Virginia. It was mostly... There was no Asians there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There was the, the the primary race there was black and white. There wasn't mm -hmm. even that many Spanish people there. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> really it's just, not. Yeah, it was just black and white. So, um, so of course the main language is English, mm -hmm. and my parents learn English after going to the U.S. Okay. So they learned it later when they were, you know, in their 20s and 30s after going to the U.S. And they didn't think to teach me English because their friend gave them. I mean, I'm the only child, so it's not like they really had a chance to experiment with a first yeah. child. Yeah. So yeah, my oldest brother, he's messed up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, my brother. <laughs> no. Yeah. But like their friend gave them the wrong advice their friend told they they asked their friend they're like should we put her in english school and their friend's like we're in america she's gonna they're she's gonna a little learn it yeah brain sponge she's gonna pick it up immediately but that was not the case yeah like you really need to teach a kid you can't just throw them in somewhere expecting them to just pick it up for sure for sure yeah and so you uh have that that barrier you so you have that, that English or you know barrier, and then 
we're kind of jumping a little bit probably, but when did you, you got into singing? When did you get into singing and, and what was that? I mean, you're shy, you, you have uh, low self-esteem because of the, uh, the, of the barrier, the language barrier, and you start singing. Are you singing in front of people? Or are you kind of singing to your, uh-huh. to your horse the, that you drew or what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Kind of both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Well, I started singing before preschool. Uh, So I was like three, four years old. Um, And when I was singing, it was just something that I enjoyed. I mean, I think because Asians really like to sing, you know, them and their karaoke and stuff. So I really enjoyed singing. And then in preschool, it was at a church. So we had choir Mm. and it was kind of mandatory for us to sing all the hymns and stuff in church. So I remember singing, but because I couldn't read, I just kind of like <laughs> mumbled random words, <laughs> yeah. but I freaking loved it. So I would sing like, I would actually really sing. Um, but I remember my teacher went and said to my mom, she was like, yeah, Julia can, she really loves to sing, but she doesn't sing the right words and i think you uh, i think it led into like hey i need to learn how to read gotcha. <laughs> I didn't know how to read. but i would just sing at the top of my lungs like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's me that's me when i go to church and i don't know any of the prayers and they have to repeat stuff and you're like what you're looking around and see what everyone else is saying uh <laughs> now the thing is you I, I don't get it you said that they were looking to see like what's wrong with you yet you were already do you're already like drawing and you know doing art and then you're also singing so there's there's yeah, clearly some was, talent level but they're like nah dude something's wrong with her like too talented no. but no but i was singing like i wasn't even singing words so yeah. they probably thought i was mentally challenged gotcha yeah they're like oh it makes sense she must have autism yeah she's here, like well maybe she can't read nah, it's words. autism like they just jumped to that you know what i mean they didn't yeah. even figure it out along the way uh wow i mean so that's pretty great so i mean at what point did you start you said okay i'm singing the wrong words maybe i should learn how to read at what age is that that you're learning to read and that you learn english is that the same time that this is happening like no i didn't even know how to read in third grade i remember being held back for recess because mm. you know that popcorn where you gotta read one page and someone yeah, says yeah. pop i freaking hate that game yeah <laughs> Freaking traumatizing. And you hate popcorn. Anytime, anytime somebody mentions popcorn, you're like, dude, get out of here. Like, yeah, don't <laughs> pick me. Don't pick me. Yeah. And, pick me. and I'm like stuttering through the page. I can't even read it. And then not only is that embarrassed, like, if that's not embarrassing enough as it is, I get held in for recess. I get punished for not being able to read. Yeah. So. To this day, I freaking hate reading. I hate it. I hate reading. You know, I don't mind reading. I, I don't mind researching. I love reading online. I love reading like stuff on the internet. But I, I'll, I'll even read an ebook. But I will not read an actual physical Pick up book. A physical because, book. Yeah. Yeah. Just something about it just reminds me too much of that time. So. I just hate reading actual books. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, again, at what age? Okay. So you said third grade is kind of like when they're saying, Hey, you know what? Yeah. We're going to, we're going to hold her back for, we're going to punish her because she's not a read and, and that's how she's going to learn to read. Is that pretty much what, what it was? And, uh, at what age would you say you kind of, uh, 
became fluent in English because your English sounds really good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it started getting good around, I would say, fifth grade, probably、okay. fifth grade.、Um, I was just like, I knew I lacked in these things and I was just sick and tired of sucking so much. And I did try in school. Like, I, I wasn't a I wasn't a bad student, like, in t- like trying to be a bad student. I actually tried to be a good student, but my、yeah. grades just weren't there. And I actually tried to put in the effort to be good.、Um, so I think after just time put in, because after school, I would get tutored. Like, my whole life, I've basically had to be tutored. So. Wow. Yeah, like, I mean, at first my parents couldn't afford it. And then when things started getting better around when I was in ninth grade, when their business finally started popping off,、uh, I started seeing tutors all the time. So I started getting tutored for English, for math, for like history, like everything. I had to be、mm-hmm. tutored in everything. So I literally had no time. It was go to school, come back, get tutored. And that was kind of my life. So eventually my English got pretty good and I made an effort to make it good because. I hate it being made fun of for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well,、uh, yeah, I mean, that, that could be a, a definitely a motive. It can go one or two ways. It can either be a motivating factor or it could just be the complete opposite of that and almost like ruin a person.、Uh, it depends on how you react to it. And, and that's the thing is like,、uh, I've said it,、uh, I usually say this in my life where it's like,、uh, you can kind of turn, if you really want to, you can turn any negative experience into a positive experience or a learning experience, right? So the negative here is that you were bullied, you were picked on. And instead of you kind of, you know, right, you, you were writing it, you were writing like, Hey, you know what? I wish I had somebody else's life or I wish I was dead. At, at six years old, you're writing that.、Uh, and fortunately enough that you were saying, Hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to make an effort to learn this because I'm tired of, of getting picked on as, a, you know, and so that's cool that you decided to turn it into a positive. It was now a motivating factor for you. Uh, was, that's pretty safe to say, right? Yeah. Okay.、Definitely. My whole life was because of all these bad experiences、uh, that made me get here. It would not be possible without that.、Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more about everything that you have done and that you are doing because it's insane.、Uh, but first, we are going to go to commercial break.、Uh, I know that first segment flew by really fast and it was really, it, I didn't even know any of this stuff that you were saying about you know, the childhood and, and low self esteem and being bullied and being picked on. There's so much to grab from that because I'm sure that everybody has gone through an experience where they were bullied, they were you know, uh, uh, maybe like an outcast or they were shy or they're So much to grab from that story. So, we're going to go to commercial break, but before we do, just make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. It is Eric Alvarez presents your show. And you could also be a guest on the show. Just send me a message on one of those platforms. And again, we will be back、uh, in just a few with Zeta. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, everybody, to your show. Uh, my name is Eric Alvarez. I'm here with Zeta. Zeta, it has been fun talking to you. We just kind of <laughs> just during that little Wait commercial up. break, we were just, yeah, we got distracted. Uh, we went off. Yeah. Uh, real quick, before we went to commercial break, we were talking about how we left off right when you're getting to high school and we we're talking about how you had self, low self-esteem. Uh, there was, of course, the, the language barrier that you had. You were very shy. Uh, you had this mentality of like, I, I can't do anything or I'm not good because that's what was that was your surroundings right that, that's what the teachers were telling you the teachers were like hey something's wrong with you and and it could have been the other students are saying hey there's something wrong with that girl because she can't read whenever we say popcorn it's not in it's her turn she can't do it uh so you have all these people telling you like no 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 and it can have a very strong a very harsh effect on a kid now what is something that you would say helped you with getting over that mentality of I can't do it. I mean, what would be some, it, it could be later on, whether you were in college or anything like that, but what was that moment or what did you have to go through for you to get through that mentality of like, I can't do it? You know, it was a gradual thing, like throughout my life, uh, I knew I had bad social anxiety. So I went through different things to kind of push myself into uncomfortable situations and slowly build up that way. But really the point that really made me change my views and change my life was in college when I finally started doing jiu-jitsu and when I won that competition, uh, it made me realize that you can put your mind, you can get anything you want as long as you put your mind to it and work hard at it. Because I didn't come from a sports background. Actually, I really sucked at sports too. <laughs> I, I wasn't kidding when I said I sucked at everything. I really did. Uh, only thing I had was art. That was the only thing, but everything I sucked at. And to go from like, no sports background to like winning at such an extreme like contact sport yeah it was like oh my gosh i can't believe i just did this i can't believe i just won like this is possible anything's possible just gotta work hard at it so my whole mentality changed and that ended up changing my life my life from that day on was completely different like i grew so much in college all before college, all before that moment, I was the same person I was as a kid. Mm -hmm. And, and there was, I know you say college, but how old are we talking about here? Uh, 19. 19. 
And that's yeah. the thing is it's crazy to me how sometimes people expect like teenagers, I'm talking about like 15, 14, 16 years old to already have it figured out that they know what they're going to do. And I'm like, dude, hold on. You got to let somebody, you know, grow to that. You know what I mean? And I think 19, you know, 18, 19, 20, that's when you're starting to like learn about yourself. They say in your twenties, that's when you're really finding out about yourself. Um, but I mean, for you to kind of go through this at the age of 19, and again, you have no sports background. So it's almost insane to think that you're like, I have no sports background, but I'm going to go do this and I'm going to work hard and, and you know that kind of stuff I, I mean, had uh, exercise induced asthma yeah I mean it's just insane to think and not only that like that's not even the end of it like you ended up carrying this into you know what I'm going to go fight and I'm going to you know start making a career you know this is one of my career paths is that is that not what happened yeah that's that's what ended up happening <laughs> yeah and how did you uh so it just you win that competition and then all of a sudden it's like yeah i want more like i want to kick some more ass or what was that yeah it was it was just like you know i wanted to keep doing jujitsu uh, but i didn't plan on doing mma hmm. uh because it was two different things and i mean honestly i don't want to bash mma but i but i want to be realistic so i used to hate mma hated it because there is a difference between the jujitsu culture versus the MMA culture. I would say the jujitsu culture, most of the people who are like into jujitsu are mainly like nerds. They're nerds who got bullied. So I feel like I could relate to them because I was like that. And so they were more of the philosophical type and they're more like because jujitsu is a self-defense sport it's not a fighting sport mm. where you're here to defend yourself it's, it's actually translate to the gentle art it's a gentle art but deadly yeah. <laughs> but like jiu-jitsu, i ended up doing because it was for self-defense i never wanted to go fight people i never wanted to go hurt anyone i wanted to do it to protect myself mm. but mma you get the douchebags, you get the meatheads, you get the type of people that's in there because they want to go beat someone up because I'm going to go beat someone up for money, like that type of crap. So yeah. I hated MMA starting out because I thought it was just those types of people, which yes, there are a lot of those yeah. type of people. Too. And you can find them in like every bar. Well, when the bars are open, you can find them in every bar, you know, like, yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I get like, you. That is the type of people that they draw. So I really hated MMA starting out. But the reason why I changed my mind about it was because I ended up realizing that not all of them are like that. Some of them mm. are really true martial artists mm. that just got really good and wanted to test themselves in other areas and not just one thing. So they wanted to test themselves in a street fight situation because MMA is the closest thing to a street fight. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I realized, okay, not all of them are douchebags and I shouldn't hate on MMA so much. And the one of my coaches that taught me jujitsu and actually helped convince me to do the tournament, he was at another gym. He actually just coached me like for free outside of my gym uh, because the gym I was at the first gym I was at was kind of like not a really good gym. And 
I didn't know any better at the time. And so later when my contract was up, I left and followed that coach to his gym that he was teaching at, which was an MMA gym. And so because I was there, um, I just took all the other classes just because I was paying for it anyways. I might as well take all of them as, uh, as weight loss purposes for exercise. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't interested in anything else. The only thing I really wanted to do was jujitsu. The rest was just for exercise. And then the owner of the gym, who was also the MMA coach, he tried to convince me to do an MMA fight. And I kept telling him no for like a whole month. And every day he would come and be like, oh, you should do a fight. You should do a fight. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do a fight. I'm not here for MMA. I'm just here for jujitsu. And then eventually one day I got really annoyed and fed up with him asking me. And so I just decided to tell him, yeah, I'll think about it. And because of that, to get him off my back. And then the next day he comes and he goes, oh, there's a fight coming up in three weeks. Uh, you should do it. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Like, yeah. You gave him a little bit and he was like, that's it. There we go. Yeah. Ready like, for a fight. like that. And I was just like, no. And he goes, no pressure. All you got to do is train really hard for two weeks. And if you don't feel up to it, you can back out anytime. That's what he told me. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I remember a week and a half goes by and I'm training really hard. I remember thinking to myself, I hate this. I I don't think I can do this. Like I'm getting my ass kicked left and right, like getting punched in the face by all the dudes because I was the only girl there very much. That was like, you know, um, so I was getting my ass kicked and I was not feeling it. And so I went up to him and I was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And as soon as I said that, he cuts me off and he goes, yeah, I need to talk to you too. So they did an article about you on the newspapers and magazines and stuff about your fight that's coming up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you serious? Like, what the, like, I was like, oh my gosh, now I can't back out. Yeah. Now I can't back out. So because of that, I ended up having to take a fight and mind you, three weeks is no time to prep for a fight, especially your first fight. Mm. And on top of that, I had to go up a weight class because I was too light. <laughs> so I had to go fight a girl that was way bigger than me. And she had all this like striking experience where I had nothing. All I knew was jujitsu. Yeah. I didn't even know wrestling at the time. Wow. I couldn't even take the girl down to wrestle her. Yeah. <laughs> to like do jujitsu on her. I didn't even know striking. Literally within the first three weeks, I learned jab, cross, elbow, knee. That's all I knew. <laughs> and of course, during the fight, I could not get her down to even do jujitsu because she knew I was a grappler. And mm. so she stuffed all my takedowns, my crap takedowns that I learned in three weeks. And so I had to stand up and strike with her when she's the striker. And so I had to go through all three rounds striking with her. And the only reason why I won today was because I was not willing to back down. like. It was such a sloppy fight. Like, you can obviously tell I had no skill. Like, I was throwing haymakers and whatever else. Like, I was getting punched in the face, but I didn't care. I just kept going in. I was like, screw it. And my mentality was like, yeah, she's going to hit me. But if I could just weather the storm and go in, then I'm yeah. going to get close enough to take her down. Yeah. And so that was my mentality. Of course, I didn't get her down, but because of that mentality it kept me going forward and so it surprised her i guess she was like man this girl's not going down 
And so because of that, you know, I was striking with her and eventually I ended up breaking her nose and I won with uh, by decision. So wow. when I won that fight, it was another life change. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that, so, that could have gone like terror. I mean, you're saying you had three weeks on the striker. Dude, I, I was, when you said right now you went three rounds, I was like, that's a shocker right there. I thought you would have been down and out, you know, right away. You know what I mean? So for you to just to get the three rounds that, you know, they say there's no thing as moral victories, but just that alone, you're kind of like, hey, you know what? Maybe I can, maybe I can hang out in here, you know, like maybe I can do this. And so when you win, uh, you kind of just keep pushing, right? You don't give up. Uh, and that's one of the things they always say, don't give up. And it, that's the true thing. I mean, just, just keep at it. Yeah. You're, you're there already. You know what I mean? Like you're there. Yeah, like my soul. already here. Yeah. Yeah, just, exactly. Oh. And, and so that's, uh, so you win that fight, you break her nose, you win that fight by decision. That's what you said. Right. Um, mm-hmm. what does that do for you as far as like, do you get those thoughts of like, Hey, you know what? I didn't want to do MMA, but maybe there's something there, you know, and it's all about like uh, you mentioned earlier how sometimes uh, yeah, that you did find out that there are nice guys in, in MMA and they kind of just got into it because they wanted to push themselves or they want to, you know, they want to widen, you know, broaden their, I guess, like horizon or whatever you want to say. But the thing is, like, you have to make in order to improve a lot of the best one, a lot of the best people in life do this is like they make sure they get uncomfortable in order to improve. Yeah. Right. So they put themselves out of their comfort zone. You can be content. You could say, you know what? I'm good. I'm OK here in my little bubble. Or you could say, hey, you know what? Like, there's more out there and I, I definitely want to go after it. Uh, and maybe you went through that in your in just the fight alone of like, hey, you know what? I'm already here. I'm uncomfortable. Might as well continue pushing, you know what I mean? And and look at the outcome, right? So w- that fight, what does that do for you as far as your uh, self-esteem or, or just moving forward? You know, what, what, what does that do? It definitely helped my self-esteem more, more than, you know, before. And on top of that, it really did make me want to seek this as a career path. Mm. So I ended up going into MMA and actually seriously wanting it as a career. So I started focusing on that and it was because of that, which led me to WWE. Yeah. And, and this thing is, do you also, uh, another thing about uh, MMA uh, before we get into WWE is that you, um, you knew you were aware of your weaknesses. You knew you weren't a striker. Uh, and that's one of the things that we always tell uh, our, our listeners is be aware of your weaknesses, you know, like uh, work on work on the stuff that you're strong at, but be aware of, of your your weaknesses. Right. And that's something that you can focus on when moving forward or now, you know, hey, you know, you didn't walk into that fight saying, oh, well, she's a striker. I can be a striker, too. You didn't you didn't think that. But it was kind of just like, you know what, like, let me uh, let me let me continue with what I know, and maybe there's a chance for me to get in there and do something. Um, so you get into MMA, and it's crazy that we talk about that because getting in MMA, that's like such an extreme sport in the sense that, like, you went from no athletic background, you were this uh, art girl, you were this girl that could sing but didn't sing the right words. It was just very much like all the, you know, and all of a sudden you're fighting. You know what I mean? Like, uh, how, that's crazy that that transition you know what i mean and then especially because uh i know before going back to the first segment you did mention that you were very shy again you were into art you were just this quiet girl you sang and i want to say when i when i met you in our time in wwe 
you were so outgoing. You were so, you know, uh, you worked hard, you trained hard. Uh, when it was time for you to get in that ring, you were kicking ass and you, you know, you had this kind of work ethic that was so great to see, but also you were joking around. You were like the life of, of the room. How does that, what is that? I mean, where does that come from? considering your your background you know what i mean like would you say it all really did start to change when you started taking jujitsu and you started you know your your mentality starts changing of like hey you know what i can do this and does that carry over into other aspects of your life of like hey not only can i learn jujitsu or be athletic and do an ma fight but now you know what i can go talk to people i can be social i can't like is this it's gradual of course but would you say that was the point where hey you know what maybe i can do all these other things that i'm not comfortable with Yes, it definitely was. Um, I would say the main thing, jujitsu really changed me. Jujitsu was probably the point, but MMA was was another turn as far as I believe that I can perform when under pressure. Mm-hmm. So that translates to social situations, that cha- translates to work, uh, translates to performing in this type of entertainment industry. And so every major thing that happened in my life has helped me to some point or another, but in different aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. So um, actually, so even though I started with jujitsu, but around the same time, like a month and a half later, after I started jujitsu, I actually uh, started doing modeling. So modeling happened because my ex broke up with me uh, I got angry. I started going to jujitsu a lot more. And then one of the times I went out and partied at a bar and went drinking. Because <laughs> I was like, this is what breakups, you're supposed yeah. to go out drinking and whatever. So I went out drinking and I ended up uh, getting scouted by a uh, company that was looking for models. And so because of that, I started getting into commercial modeling and all that. And the modeling, I have to credit them also because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have half of the confidence. So modeling did help me for part of my confidence because uh, as far as being social mm. and as far as uh, being able to be out standing in public without feeling like everyone's looking at me and talking crap about me because the social anxiety, like I was scared to be in front of people. Like, even if it was just going outside, if it was just going outside, like doing something completely normal, I can't even do because I felt like everyone was staring at me Mm. and just thinking the worst of me. So, but because of mauling and it helped me, it made me feel like, okay, I'm not as ugly as everyone's been telling me my whole life. And maybe not everyone's talking crap about me. So because of that, that was part of it too. So the three major growths would be modeling, jujitsu, and MMA. That help, especially with the modeling. I mean, what you go from. I mean, you mentioned earlier that like if you had to give a book report in front of the class, you were like. Close to just out. yeah, you're blacking out and stuff like that. And then you go to like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be a model. I mean, that is such a, a crazy thing. What what made you just say? I mean, what was it exactly that you said? You know what? Yeah, I'll give the shot. Um, you know, the modeling thing a shot because I'm pretty sure they 
you know, it, it, was it similar to like the 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 your trainer who was saying, hey, you should do an MMA fight, and you're like, no, no, no. Was it that similar resistance to modeling, or was modeling like, you know what, yeah, was it an easier transition for you to do that? It was easier because I, like I've been told my whole life that I was ugly, that I was ugly, and um, I remember being as a kid like. So that diary entry where I wrote, I wish I had blonde hair, blue eyes. Well, it just so happened that the schools I was at, the most popular girl had blonde hair, blue eyes. So I was like, man, I wish I was popular because being popular meant that you were liked. It meant that you weren't getting bullied. And I was never the girl that guys ever liked. So I would have crush on boys and no one would pay me any attention. So. I just want it to be pretty. I want it to be, you know, popular. I want it all of that. And so because of that, um, it was kind of like a thing where I wished I was a model. I wished I was a model just to prove to people that, you know, maybe I'm not as ugly as everyone thinks I am. Hmm. And it was always just a dream. So when I was nine, 10 years old, I actually started paying attention to the way I looked. I started caring about how I dressed. I started caring about putting on makeup. Like that's really young. At, yeah. I feel like at nine, 10 years old, to actually really care about it. Cause most of that time kids aren't thinking about that. Um, but I cared, I started dieting when I was 10. I started wow. becoming uh, anorexic, which is mm. not good. Nope. Uh, I went through basically all the freaking diets. <laughs> uh, ever out there but 10 was the first time I started starving myself because I cared so much about the way I looked mm. um and so because of that finally when I got opportunity to model I was just like oh my gosh this is oh also between that when I was 16 in high school me and this one girl we tried out for modeling together she got in I didn't so that was another thing. Wow. That was like another thing. I was just like, oh, like I am not good enough for it. So it was always something that I wanted to prove. And when I finally got the opportunity to do modeling, I was just like, this is my chance. But I was mm -hmm. so scared. I was too scared to do it. But um, I remember they told me, okay, the orientation is like in a week or something. So I remember I didn't eat like, for like four days. I barely ate anything wow. for four days just to be as skinny as possible. Cause naturally I'm not really a skinny girl. Mm. So I tried to be as skinny as possible to, and I showed up to this um, masquerade party, which was just happened to be an orientation. So there was all these people there. And I just remember thinking to myself, okay, I have to fake it till I make it. Mm. I have to just, act like I'm confident, but really I'm not. So I went in there pretending like I was not awkward. I mean, I wasn't confident. I wasn't acting like life of the party. I didn't even know how to do that. Yeah. But I, rem I remember just trying to act normal, just just not be weird. Keep it cool kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just try and keep it cool. And because of that, uh, I was lucky that these two really outgoing girls like pulled me over. It was like, come hang out with us. And I was like, okay. But I was just like following them. I didn't say much at all, but they mm. were doing all the talking. And so because of that, I was like, okay, I'm watching their, their behavior. I'm trying to like mimic it. I'm just like, okay. So they're being very open. 
big movements, like laughing. So they would laugh. I'd be like, ha ha ha, yeah, so funny. <laughs> yeah. When they were already quieted down, they were already quiet and you're there laughing still. <laughs> I was so awkward. <laughs> I was so awkward. But like, because of that, it made, when I got through that day, I remember thinking to myself, well, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't as scary as I thought. Mm. And that gave a little bit more confidence to tackle the next situation. Yeah. So it was gradual, you know, a lot yeah. of stuff like And that's the thing I've heard people say, I I, I, lo- I love to use that phrase, fake it, fake it until you make it. And I've heard people say like, no, that's such a bad phrase to use. And I'm like, dude, the thing is when you, when you do that in most situations where you fake it till you make it, that means like, hey, you know what? Like, you have a chance to go learn something right like you're not you're faking it so that way you can learn about it and and then eventually you get it and you're like okay i no longer need to fake it because again i've made it that's what you said right like yeah i i i i see it in both ways like of course it's bad if you completely fake it eventually people will find out you can't be like off but if you get the opportunity and you don't feel confident about it having to force yourself to fake it till you make it means that you're putting all those doubts outside of your head mm-hmm. now at the point, that shouldn't matter anymore because you're playing a character to yeah. get you and when you get through it that's the point where you're like wow i can do it yeah it's not faking it to someone else it's faking it for yourself self yeah and that's the thing it's 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 fake it till you make it not just fake it you know what i mean you're not just faking it forever you're faking it until you understand it or until you get it yourself of like okay you know what i i can do it so there's a that make it part is the important part of that that phrase but uh yeah yeah, anyway so we're we have to go to commercial break but uh we are having such a great conversation here learning so much about zeta and uh just kind of the the going from no self-esteem to all of a sudden she's got self-esteem not all of a sudden but gradually she has self-esteem and now she's you know she went from jujitsu just to defend herself and she gets put in a fight and she realized she ends up winning the fight against a striker who i'm pretty sure everybody bet the other way you know but uh yeah and that leads to so much more we mentioned wwe we'll be talking a little bit about that when we come back uh don't go anywhere again follow us on social media it is uh, eric alvarez presents your show on facebook and instagram and just message me on there if you want to be a part of the show uh but again we will be back in just a few as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com podcast that's indeed.com podcast terms and conditions apply it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, welcome back to your show. Eric Alvarez here with Zeta. Zeta, we've had a wild, or you've had a wild story uh, so far in these last two segments. Talking about pretty much going from no self-esteem, uh, again, bullied, picked on. You would black out if you had to go give a report in front of the class. And then you get into jujitsu and modeling and all of a sudden you're, you're not all of a sudden, I keep saying all of a sudden, because it seems that way due to this one hour constraint that we have, but, uh, you get into jujitsu, you get into modeling, you find your self-esteem, you start getting out of your comfort zone, it seems. And that's when you start, uh, uh, observing around you and kind of realizing that, Hey, you know what? I can do these things that I kind of set my mind to. And, and modeling was one that as a kid, you were like, man, I, I want to be a model i want to do that i want to look like that i want to do that and you get that opportunity and you don't pass on it because again that's something you've always wanted to do and you did it so now it's carrying now like things seem to be like uh at least personally for you uh your mentality's changed and you're starting to find your personality that you have today uh, you're still a little awkward from what I've seen on your Instagram, but uh, more social. And that's another thing is that social media probably has a play in that also, because now it's like almost everything that we do is captured on social media. And, uh, you know, little little you probably didn't think that when you had to give a, a report in front of the class and you're blacking out that your life would now be played out on social media and you would be... <laughs> the center of attention right now the thing is that i want to know that this what all this is leading to is how do you get into something like wrestling and wwe when you don't like when you're shy and you you almost black out in front of a classroom how do you get into now the spotlight is on you what like what (laughs) you know like it's not often that a shy kid goes you know what it'd be cool if the spotlight's on me you know, I I think it really is. It starts with a dream. It starts with, do you, are you interested in this stuff? Do you see yourself like wanting to do it? Wanting to do it and actually putting yourself to go do it is two different things. Mm-hmm. But it does have to start with a want, a wish. I always wished I could do this, but... I don't have the con, but I can't do it. That was my mind. Yeah. I wish I could do it, but I can't do it. And it was, it was just like very unrealistic type of wish. But to transfer that wish into a reality, that means you have to put in the work. That means you have to go find ways to tackle all your weaknesses. And I knew my weakness was social anxiety. Mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't even be in front of people, much less go and be in front of a giant crowd, you know, <laughs> like yeah. can't be in front of a normal person walking down the street. So to do that, you literally just have to force yourself into uncomfortable situations. And that started gradually. And when you, you know, what I used to do was I would, sign myself up for stuff knowing that I can't back out and that was one way to get myself to do it Mm -hmm. Um, I remember I tried to go out for a singing competition uh, when I was 16 and 
it went horrible. It actually was pretty traumatizing. It made me stop singing for like a year and a half, but I went out for the sing competition and it was one of those things where if you got through, you would have a chance to get on uh, an audition for The Voice. Okay. Or no, I think it was American Idol at the time. It was mm. a throwback. So I think I don't think The Voice was out at the time. But um, I remember it was considered easy. Like you didn't even have to memorize the lyrics. You could have the lyrics in front of you. I had the freaking lyrics right in front of me. And it was around like maybe two, 3,000 people there. And I remember going up and I'm singing and I'm looking at the lyrics, yeah. but it was like, I was dyslexic. It oh. was like, yeah, like I couldn't even read it. Like I was reading it jumbled. Like I'll read this word and that word and this word. It was, it was like suddenly I was dyslexic. Yeah. I was so scared. I wasn't even able to read. And I just remember I started singing and then I got to a point where I couldn't even sing the words. So I just started mumbling through the whole thing. I just mumbled. Hey, you, you went back to what you know, right? As soon as they, t- as soon as they told you, like, you don't need to learn the words. You're like, I don't need to know the words. I, I got this. I've done that. You know, like I used to sing just whatever I wanted. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that went horribly wrong. Um, but, you know, it takes failures like that i if, of course it would have been easier if i like got through that but that's not always gonna happen you have to go through all the failures and it was because of failing at that yes it did set me back and traumatize me for like a year and a half but if you really love something you have to think like are you gonna give it up just because you're scared yeah. just because something didn't work out you're gonna just be like oh well no i give up i'm never gonna sing again like of course not mm-hmm. so it got to a point where i realized like why am i not doing something i love because at this point i had already given up something else i loved um i used to bike ride a lot i bike ride it as a kid and then i got bullied for my calves because everyone said i look like a man so yeah i stopped bike riding because of that because my calves got so big and so I remember giving that up and thinking to myself, man, I don't want to give up something else I love. And yeah. so finally I just decided to go back singing, but I would only sing to myself and I would hide in my room and sing. Even my parents wouldn't hear me sing. Mm-hmm. And my own family wouldn't even hear me sing. I was that shy. Um, but finally I got the guts one day to be like, you know, I need to, if I ever want to make it in singing, I have to show people. And so I decided to post it. My, uh, I decided to sing a song. I posted it on my Facebook. I wouldn't even post it on YouTube because I was worried of backlash. Because YouTube, you know, is a lot scarier than yeah. having Facebook, which is all your friends. friends stuff, yeah. on there. So when I put it up there, I ended up getting decent feedback. When I got good feedback, it was the first part of my confidence um, to for singing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, people like it. Maybe I could start putting more out and more out. And then eventually it worked up to the point of me singing in front of people. But you have to start somewhere. Everyone needs to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is pushing you yourself out of a uncomfortable situation. So yeah. sign yourself for the stuff, uh, put your stuff out there for people to see. Those are all the first steps. Yeah. And you mentioned failure and we've mentioned this before in this show in our one of our episodes that you need to fail in order to grow. And a lot of, and I think it's, there's even been several times where 
I know me personally, I want to get that failing point. Like I want it to happen. That way I can just get it out of the way. And like, you know what I mean? I want it to happen. It's kind of like one of the things like if you're a fighter, it's you almost know you're going to lose at some point. So you just want to kind of like get it out of the way. That way you can get over that hurdle, that mental hurdle or that fear of like, okay, it happened. Now I can, you know, now that I know that it happened, I, I know how to rebound from it. or I know where to go from here. So oftentimes it's like you need to fail in order to succeed, right? Uh, yeah. Because that 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 fear of failure can definitely hold you back of like wanting to try new things because you don't want to fail. It's like, dude, just go out and fail. Just do it. Just get it out of the way, you know? Yeah. Uh, so True. you you get into uh, wrestling and the thing is you grew up as a wrestling fan. Uh, I think you mentioned uh, one time that we're off the air. You mentioned that it was because of your grandmother. Your grandmother was a wrestling wrestling fan. Yeah, she watched WCW, WWF. Um, and I watched it with her because that was like our bonding thing. Me and my grandma, we're really close. Like I said, my parents, they were really busy working. They were never around. So, and I don't have any siblings. So it's literally just me alone. Yeah. So grandma, when she was alive, we would hang out and that was like our bonding time. She watched pro wrestling because it was the only thing she could understand on TV because it's all body language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we watched it and then you know I, I i didn't get to watch it during its peak point you know attitude era like when it was really at its highest i had stopped watching it by then um i started watching when i was four years old i'm 33 now i watched it when i was four and i watched it up until i was like 12 ish and 12 ish my grandma was diagnosed with alzheimer's disease and so we stopped watching together as much um mm. she was around that much anymore i started being home alone more uh, my grandma was getting taken care of by my aunts and then when she passed away when i was like 15 16 that was when i completely stopped i completely stopped watching it yeah. and i was and also around that time i was so busy trying to just fit in i wanted to be popular i was trying to be like you know trying to fit in so Wrestling was in my mind what I remembered it as as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was the same as Olympic wrestling because I because we actually did watch uh, pro wrestling and Olympic wrestling and college wrestling on TV. Uh-huh. But we didn't really like watching the college and Olympic one because we thought that was like the low budget one and they yeah. couldn't afford like They, they all can't the even material. afford to give a promo. Jeez, they can't even afford to talk on a microphone. <laughs> yeah, this is a crappy league. Yeah. They, they can't afford all that. <laughs> We're all the lights and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and that's the thing though, is that you get into wrestling. Um, do you kind of think back, especially because you, uh, you know, wrestling is what you've been doing for the past few years. Do you still think back to like when you were a little kid and you had the the, the low self-esteem or you couldn't stand up in front of a classroom or that memory of, of watching wrestling with your grandma? Do you still kind of keep that in your mind of like a mo- as a motivating factor of like, this is why I do it, you know, or this is who I am? Is that kind of something that you keep in your head? Um, I wouldn't say that I keep it in my head of that specifically, but I do keep the memory of my grandma and I watching wrestling together because, man, she would be so happy 
to see me do this if she was alive. Like, I wish she was. Um, and I also do it as, I guess, kind of as a tribute to her. Um, it's for me, but it's for her also. And it's, it's for something that's bigger because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my upbringing, if it wasn't for all that. So part of the times I do think back to these days, but it's more so as just a mini, it's not so much, uh, I feel like I'm at a point where I feel confident in my abilities now. And I know what I need to work on. Like mm -hmm. I, I know my weaknesses and I'm very realistic. I have to be to face all that, to fix whatever. But all these things is like a mini reminder of who I am and where I came from yeah. because people lose that. People get caught up in their own BS eventually when people, you know, I'm glad I was told that I was crap all growing up because it makes yeah. me work harder. It's the people that's told that, they are wonderful at everything where they start believing their own crap and getting conceited, getting egotistical and it's finding that balance. And the only time I would think back to that is to remain humble. Remaining humble is also a thing that helps you be consistent and improve because if you don't do that and you think you're the best, you're not going to improve. And eventually that's going to affect you with work. Yeah. That's going to affect you with all aspects of your life. So that would be the only time that I think back to that is to check myself and not get too caught up in the BS. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've, I've, uh, I edit videos and one of the marketing agencies that I work for, my boss, he makes fun of me because whenever, whenever I hear somebody say that, uh, maybe a video I worked on sucked or this and this sucked. I get upset and he makes fun of me because I get upset. Like he kind of thinks like, oh man, you don't need to get upset. And I'm like, I'm not getting upset. The person said that I'm getting upset at myself. Like I'm getting upset that, that I messed up. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I'm, I'm humble in the sense that like, I'm never walk around and think like, you know what? Yeah. I make the best videos ever, but I do hate hearing, Oh, this video sucked because it just makes me want to get better. It makes me want to improve. Like I'm getting mad at yeah. myself. I'm not getting mad at my boss. I'm not getting mad at whoever said it. I'm getting mad at myself. Cause I'm like, dude, I know I can do better. And there it's not conceited. It's not anything like that. You're, you gotta be aware of, of when things suck or you gotta be aware of your weaknesses. Like we said earlier in the show, but it, it's not, you know, be aware of your weaknesses and give up when somebody says something negative about you. It's more of just like, how do you respond to that? That's the thing. It's going to happen. People are going to say that you suck or people are going to make fun of you or people are going to, you know, whatever, put you down. And that's going to happen in life. And it's all a matter of how you respond to that. That's the important thing. And it sounds like in your story and, you know, I can probably relate to a little bit that you took those uh kind of moments or you know when people did that and you turned it into a motivating factor and, and the crazy thing about especially wrestling i feel uh i feel like wrestling is one of those few uh kind of like industries where a lot of a lot of fans a lot of people turn to these wrestlers because man they're like heroes you know you're the closest thing to a a, a, a here a superhero in the sense that people find your stories and they say man i can relate so much to zeta or i can relate so much to this wrestler just by hearing that like you know what i was shy also or i was picked on and they see you doing these things especially i've seen it again i've seen a lot in wrestling a lot of fans a lot of the kids they turn to wrestlers because they're going through that exact same thing and they want to be 
just like you. And that's one of the most satisfying things of being a wrestler, I would assume. I'm not a yeah. wrestler. I worked today to be everybody. Everybody always asks me, like, oh, you worked today to be. Does that mean you like went and like fought in the ring? Like, no, I didn't do that. But I see a lot of the wrestlers. I've, I've been around a lot of wrestlers. And I that's one of the most satisfying things is when fans come up and they say, man, you know what? You're you're so uh, motivating for me or you're such a motivation you're such an inspiration because man I used to do this or and now look at you like now you're in the spotlight and that's something that any kid you know that's dealing with being shy or being an outcast and that's something that you may have seen in wrestling I don't know maybe you didn't realize that that's what you were seeing or maybe you did realize it and now you're in that position of like you know what I I know where I'm from but now I can help other people in that situation is that something that you think about that is honestly the most satisfying thing. I get messages all the time from fans that would tell me that I've helped them through a tough situation in their life or they're going through something, but uh, what they see or what they heard has motivated them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's always been a long-term goal. That's like the end result because at, at some point, of course, everyone starts out doing something for themselves. They start yeah. out self with every human being but mm -hmm. eventually when it gets to a certain point it's like you're not just doing it for yourself anymore yeah you have to start thinking bigger bigger than yourself and that's and, things like you didn't get into wrestling thinking like yeah i'm gonna go help other people feel better at first you got into all the you know jujitsu uh, mma wrestling you got into that modeling you got into that for yourself and then you realize exactly. dude it has an impact on other people and that is awesome yeah because it sucks going through that and i know like i went through all that so it sucks knowing that there's other people going through that crap too. Mm. So if help and make a difference, of course, of course, you know. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you've been wrestling for a few years. Uh, unfortunately, COVID happens and a lot of things kind of shut down around the country. Now you're currently in Taiwan, correct? Yes. Um, so if you don't mind me asking, what are the plans? Uh, hopefully, you know, this COVID situation get worked out. Uh, people just need to follow the precautions and do all that, you know, uh, good stuff. Uh, what would you say you're up to now or what are the plans for the future? Well, um, you know, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that this COVID thing happened, in my opinion. You know, everyone sees it. It is negative. Of course, there's negative stuff, but I see a lot of positive in it, too. Uh, I'm able to be out here, visit my family, um, able to, you know, build out here and spend some time out here. And I get a chance to heal my knee. My knee was messed up. Uh, I got my knee torn up and now all this time to do physical condition, uh, physical treatment on it and PT therapy. It's really been nice. So when things are up and running again, I'm ready to just go full on, nice. keep on wrestling, you know? Um, so that's the plan is when I get back, gonna be wrestling. If COVID's still going on, then I'm gonna keep on going with my training. Yeah, and and that's one thing that we've, uh, uh, I know I've talked about it with a few friends and stuff like that. And I think we mentioned it on one of the episodes of this of your show, uh, is that uh, COVID-19 is an unfortunate situation but it's given plenty of people time to like step back, slow down their life and reassess what they need to work on or realize, hey, you know what? Like, man, life was going 100 miles per hour and now I can slow down. I can, you know, take care of myself, not just from COVID, but take care of my body. I can find out where, where I need to heal mentally or, or physically. 
uh, it was an opportunity for people to slow down. And that was, uh, I think, a blessing in disguise. Again, it is an unfortunate situation, but it seems a lot of people were able to take the time to slow down. And I hopefully that makes us better in the long run, right? Once this is all over, now we can all go back to doing what we love or maybe do it even better. And so uh, just for anyone that doesn't know, where can they follow you on social media? I am on Instagram a lot, and my Instagram is Zeta underscore Zang. Whoever the stupid person stole my name, I uh, can't get it. So all, <laughs> I have that stupid underscore. The Zeta Z E D A underscore Z H A N G. Um, I am now actively on YouTube, I'm building my YouTube out here, and of course in the U.S. So all my links is on my bio. I got my YouTube, my Twitch, my Patreon, my Twitter, my TikTok. Got like everything. <laughs> yeah, and that's <laughs> I the thing. Am on everything. Again, shy kid. All of a sudden, you have everything that involves a camera and being in front of people. <laughs> right. yeah all right i think that's a victory uh all right uh we gotta wrap it up uh thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing your story on your show uh definitely a lot of learning lessons that i think people can get from there is there any last word you want to tell people are you good what, what do we want to leave with work your ass off because it's really going to pay off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't easy what Data has been able to do, but she's able to do it because she didn't give up. And uh, again, if you fail, that's a learning. Uh, take that negative and turn it into a positive uh, whenever you fail. Uh, so again, my name is Eric Alvarez. You've been listening to your show again. I, I can't stress it enough. If you want to be on this show, it's a simple sending me a message. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. It is Eric Alvarez presents your show. And we could talk about anything. We talked about so many different uh, aspects of Zeta's life on this episode. And, and for you, we could talk about anything. We could talk about a crazy story. We could talk about how you achieved a goal, how you overcame adversity, anything like that. Don't be afraid to come on and share it because there might be somebody listening that can learn from that lesson. So again, Zeta, thank you so much. Um, everybody else, thank you. And we will see you again next week. Thanks, Eric. <laughs>